Welcome to Grave Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Donna. And we're two friends who share a fascination and intrigue of grave tales. Each episode is our unique look into grave history by exploring, researching, and giving you our take on these mysteries, tragedies, murders, and so much more. This is Grave Podcast. Look who is on my screen. That would be me and you probably because they probably have your picture there too, right? <laughs> yeah, but yours is far more attractive to look at than mine. <laughs> this this, this, this oh, hasn't This is why I, I love you so much. One of the many reasons. I have done nothing with this face in days. <laughs> like I need to trim my face. I probably need to wash the hair. Like my yeah. hair looks like a cat. My hair looks like a cat's been sucking on it. Like it's awful. I just sometimes look you just sometimes you just have to slack, chillax, and just you know. Well, I don't have a choice. I have to put myself together to oh, some level. Oh, going that. back to work again? No, I've got that Christmas party. Oh, I told- Christmas oh. party. That's right. You gotta. I mean, you that. know. I mean, I love Josh, but hey, you know, you gotta look good. Wasn't last year like a pajama theme or something? It was ugly Christmas sweater. Ugly Christmas sweater. This year, I don't think there's a theme. I think it's just show up and and have fun with each other. It'll be fine. Yeah, he. he, Yeah, so we'll 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 see how this goes. Absolutely. I mean, I have to. I have to. I have to judge myself for tomorrow because you know. I mean, I love Josh, but gotta keep your options open. True. (laughs) Okay, well, anyways, on from that, this is uh, day eight. Day eight. Of of us just ruining your Christmas spirit with all of our grave information. Right, right. There is no Christmas spirit in this, to be honest with you. Um, and this one is... This one is going to bring you down about four notches from any Christmas spirit you may have started off with. So lovely, lovely. I'm looking forward to all of this. Said no one ever. <laughs> sure, that's why we listen to it. That's why we do it. We ultimately mm-hmm. are very interested. Yeah, in no. it. very interested. No, there, in there's it. Some, there, there, there is low level something wrong with us. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's sort of like psychologically trying to break things apart with people like in in most cases that we do we see some type of blunt force head trauma you know or something on that line or just awful but it's it's very much we are very much the type that like we, we want to hear and talk about these things one because they need to be heard and talked about and two it's like trying to unpack how a person or persons, because let's face it, we all know that there's people that, you know, kill and do awful things in pairs can actually exist. This is true. And, and, and how, and how they get to that point with the stuff rolling around between their ears. So, you know, that's. Yeah. Well, this will give you a little bit to think about this, this one here. Um, I'll be up all night anyways. So. On this day eight of our grave Christmas murder tales, 
I'm going to tell you the story of Ronald Gene Simmons. Okay. He was a senior. I should say that. Ronald Gene Senior Simmons Sr. He was an American mass murderer and spree killer who killed 16 people over a week-long period in Arkansas in 1987. 16 people in one week. Wow. 16 people. Wow, that is that is the textbook definition of a spree killer. Yeah. Like, no cooling off period. As a retired military serviceman, Simmons murdered 14 members of his own family, including a daughter who he had sexually abused and the child he had fathered with her, as well as a former co-worker and a stranger and he also wounded four others. So wow, this dude, this dude sucks. They were just going to get right into this, and this is literally the worst mass murder in Arkansas history. Hey, oh, oh God! Okay. All right. So let's let's start off with his uh, early life, and um, so Ronald Gene Simmons was born on July fifteenth, nineteen forty, in Chicago, Illinois, to Loretta and William Simmons. On January 31st, 1943, William Simmons died of a stroke, and within a year, Simmons' mother had remarried, this time to William D. Griffin, a civil engineer for the United States Army Corps of Engineers. Okay. Okay, so in 1946, the Corps moved Griffin to Little Rock, Arkansas, the first of several transfers that would take the family across Arkansas over the next decade. On September 15, 1957, Simmons dropped out of school and joined the U.S. Navy and was first stationed at the Naval Station in Bremerton in Washington, where he met Bursabe Rebecca, or Becky, Ulubari, whom he married in New Mexico on July 9th, 1960. Okay. All right. So over the next 18 years, the couple had seven children. Ooh. In 1963, Simmons left the Navy, Navy, and approximately two years later, he joined the U.S. Air Force. Oh, okay. Jumping branches. Wow. Right, right. So during his 20-year military career, Simmons was awarded a Bronze Star Medal, the Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Cross for his service as an airman, the Air Force Ribbon ribbon for excellent marksmanship. So he was decorated. Yeah, he yeah. He was kill he was big, like not to use a plan words, but he was like quote killing it. Right. He retired from the Air Force and military service on November thirtieth, nineteen seventy nine, with the rank of Master Sergeant. So on April third, nineteen eighty one Simmons was being investigated by the Cloudcroft, New Mexico Department of Human Services for allegations that he had fathered a child with his 17-year-old daughter, Sheila, whom he had been sexually abusing. What a shit bag. So fearing arrest, Simmons fled New Mexico in late 1981 with his family, first to Ward, Arkansas, in Lenoki County, and then to Pope County near Dover, Arkansas, in the summer of eight, 1983. Wait, hold on. Did I miss it? So he, under suspicion that he fathered a child with his own daughter, like, is the wife still in the picture? Y- yeah. 
okay. I, I, so, uh, all right, got it. I'm just trying to put all the ducks in the row. Like, she doesn't sound like a real great person either. Like, if she didn't notice something was going on. We're, we're getting into all that. Well, okay. See, I jump ahead all the time. This is what I do to Donna when she writes stuff. So the family took up residence on a 13-acre tract of, of land, 6.5 miles north of Dover, that they would dub Mockingbird Hill. The residence was constructed of two older model mobile homes joined to form one large home, neither of which had a telephone or indoor plumbing and was surrounded by a makeshift privacy fence, which was as high as 10 feet in some places. I don't like the picture you're painting. Right. As a result of the home's lack of plumbing, Simmons ordered his family to dig three cesspots, one of which would eventually be where he disposed of some of the bodies. Oh my god, they dug their they, they dug their own graves. Simmons worked a string of low paying jobs in a nearby town of Russellville, Arkansas. He quit a position as an accounts receivable clerk at Woodline Motor Freight after numerous reports of inappropriate sexual advances and went to work at a Sinclair Minimart for approximately a year and a half before quitting on December 18th, 1987. Wow, what a what a surprise. Not a stand-up guy. Sexual advances, unwanted sexual advances. I'm shocked. Yeah, by someone who, you know, allegedly abused and fathered a child with his 17. Yeah year old daughter. So by the time of the killings, the number of people within the home reduced to seven as two of the older children, Billy and Sheila moved out, they got married and they had their own kids and whatever, you know, they're off doing their own thing. I was going to say, get the, like, got the hell out as quick as they could. Don't blame them. Get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. So let's go ahead and let's start getting into these murders here. So in Dover, Shortly before Christmas in 1987, Simmons decided to kill all of the members of his family. Oh, just that's what we wake up and decide one day. Okay. On the morning of December 22nd, his, he first killed his wife, Rebecca, and eldest son, Jean, by bludgeoning them with a hammer and then shooting them with a 22 caliber pistol. Oh, my God. Then he proceeded to kill his three-year-old granddaughter, Barbara, by strangulation. Oh, what a fucking monster. He then dumped the bodies of, in one of the cesspits he had forced his children to dig previously. Good God. He then waited for his other children to return home from school for Christmas break. Oh, my God. Upon their arrival, he told them he had presents for them, but wanted to give them to them one at a time. He first killed his daughter, 17-year-old Loretta, whom Simmons strangled and held under the water in a rain barrel. The three other children, Eddie, Marianne, and Becky, were then killed in the same way and subsequently dumped in the cesspit. Wow. Um, that's not a present anyone wants for Christmas. What the fuck? No, indeed not. (laughs) Around midday on December 26th, the remaining members of the family arrived at the home as Simmons had invited them over for the holidays. The first to be killed was Simmons' son, Billy, and his wife, Renita, and they were both shot. He then strangled and drowned their 20-month-old son, Trey. 
Simmons also shot and killed his oldest daughter, Sheila, with whom he had sexually abused and supposedly had. Yeah, fathered the child. And her husband, Dennis McNulty. Simmons then strangled his child by Sheila, seven-year-old Sylvia Gale, and finally his 21-month-old grandson, Michael. Can you imagine showing up? Can can no, can you can you just imagine like showing up to a family gathering with your close family? Like no, nope. I cannot imagine how he was able to do this. I so many people, so, I have many, so people, many people. I have so many questions. Like so many people, and at mul- multiple in the same room at the same time, and you he was still able to pull all this off. You got your presents and, you know, right. Yeah, like, hey, I'm coming over with my cheesy potatoes and, you know, stuff's under the tree. And then, like, dad just, you know, takes out a gun and smokes you right in the entry. Like, what is that? Oh, my God. So Simmons laid the bodies of his whole family in neat rows in the lounge. Their bodies were covered with coats, except for that of Sheila, who was covered with Rebecca Simmons' best tablecloth. That's that's cryptic. The bodies of Trey and Michael were wrapped in plastic sheeting and left abandoned left in abandoned cars at the end of the lane. After the murders, Simmons drove to a Sears store in Russellville where he retrieved Christmas gifts that he had previously ordered for his family. He went and picked up his fucking layaway order. Oh god. Yep. Yep. That night that night, he went for a drink at the local bar before returning to the home where he spent the rest of the evening and the following day drinking beer and watching television. All while his family, multiple members of his family, just lay and decompose. Correct. Decompose. Correct. Wow. Yeah. So we go to Russellville. So on the morning of December 28th, Simmons drove to Walmart in Russellville, where he purchased another firearm to use in the attack. He was about to carry out. Oh, pre-planning. Great. His first target was a law firm where he had previously met Secretary Kathy Gribbins Kendrick. Simmons had been infatuated with Kendrick, but she had rejected him. Oh, that's never good. Rejection for right? people. Yeah. Rejection for people that behave this way never ends well. It's never a good thing. Right. After walking into the office, he shot and killed Kendrick. He next went to an oil company office where he intended to kill the owner, Russell or Rusty Taylor. Taylor was also the owner of the Sinclair Mini Mart from which Simmons had recently resigned. He shot and wounded Taylor before killing another person in the building named James David Chaffin. Chaffin was the only deceased victim who was a complete stranger to Simmons. Wow. Another employee in the building was shot at, though the bullet missed. Simmons then drove on to Sinclair Mini Mart, shooting and wounding two more people. His final target was at the office of the Woodline Motor Freight Company, where he shot his former supervisor twice and wounded her. He then ordered one of the employees at gunpoint to call the police And when they arrived, Simmons handed over his gun and surrendered without any resistance at all. So much psychological help needed. The total of that last rampage was 40 minutes long. 
And he ended up killing two people and injuring four. 40 minutes, and he managed to do that much destruction while traveling, no less. Yeah. I mean, this is just days after the other. So, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, to do all that in 40 minutes while, like, adding in the time. And then surrender and just say, okay, take me. Go ahead. Yeah. And then just walk up and go, I'm done now. Yeah. Like, I've I've done what I wanted to do. I'm cool. I'm good. Yeah. 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 You, this is. This is a doozy coming up here. Oh, God. There's more? No. Yes and no. So, after his arrest, Simmons underwent psychiatric evaluation where he was found fit to stand trial. Uh, As one would think. I mean, you were found fit. You found yourself fit enough to murder that many people. It's questionable because he, he kills his entire family. And then he just goes, it's meant, I don't know, Family annihilators are always the most intriguing to me. And we've talked about, we, like I've listened to and we've talked about family annihilators before. It's just the most intriguing to me that you can't just walk away from your family. You feel that like the only way to get out of it is to just. I, I can, I can, I cannot understand that. I have, re- I was in a, not nice relationship myself and actually a couple of them, but you know what? I don't have any, any problem just walking away. No, I just don't. I don't get it. Like, but the problem in my case is whether they allow me to fully walk away. True. True. So, but just, 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 but just the idea of like you being in the mind frame of, I need to leave. I can't leave. So I just, I'm just going to mow them over with a gun. It's it's so, there's so many levels of disconnect for me on that, on that level of thinking. So Simmons first went to trial for the murders of Kendrick and, and Chafin, and he was found guilty on May 12, 1988, and he was sentenced to death. He made an additional statement under oath supporting his sentence. And I quote, God, this dude sucks on like so many levels. Yeah. I quote, I, Ronald Gene Simmons Sr. want it to be known that it is my wish and my desire that absolutely no action by anyone, by anybody be taken to appeal or in any way change the sentence. It is further respectfully requested that this sentence be carried out expeditiously. He next went on trial for the murders of his 14 family members and was found guilty on February 10th, 1989, again being sentenced to death by legal injection. On the day of the verdict, Simmons assaulted prosecutor John Bynum, likely in an attempt to reach for his weapon. He was wrestled to the ground and placed in a holding cell. He refused to appeal his death sentence, stating, and I quote, to those who oppose the death penalty, in my particular case, anything short of death would be cruel and unusual punishment, end quote. Okay, so can I go off now? Can I go off? Almost. Hold on. The trial court conducted a hearing concerning Simmons' competence to waive further proceedings and concluded that his decision was knowing and intelligent. 
Simmons became the subject of the United States Supreme Court Whitmore versus Arkansas when another death row inmate, Jonas Whitmore, attempted unsuccessfully to force an appeal of Simmons' case. Okay, we're just going to start bullet point number one. Go ahead. I'm going to go off. Um, you respectfully want your death sentence to be carried out. Um, fuck right off because you, you brutally murdered your entire family and injured multiple other people that, that no, you, you don't get to respectfully ask for one for anything. And two, you are a coward if he actually went to try to get that officer's weapon because we know what he was going to do. It was either going to be harm somebody else or take his own life. But yet in the same breath, asking to respectfully have his death sentence carried out. Like, no, 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 no. Well, okay. So this is what really gets me, though. He wants to die. He supposedly tried to overtake this person to take their weapon possibly to do himself harm. You know, he's telling them just expedite it, do it, whatever. Yet he, without resistance, told them, he called the cops, call them, bring them here. So why the hell didn't you just kill yourself? Right, right. Like, it's all all just like theatrics is what it is. Are you like afraid that it is a moral sin to kill yourself when you're not going to go to heaven because guess what, buddy boy? Yeah, guess what, my <laughs> guess, guess what? what, dude? Like, you're not getting it anyways. No, like, it, it, no, it's a conundrum. It is a complete mental conundrum. All right, so his execution. While on death row, Simmons had to be separated from other prisoners as his life was threatened constantly. Boy. Oh, they should have just let it happen. I'm, right. This was because he refused to appeal his death sentence. The other prisoners believed Simmons was damaging their chances of beating their own death sentences. Oh, well, I mean, I guess prisoners are kind of self-centered, right? So on May 31st, the Arkansas, the then Arkansas governor, later to be President Bill Clinton, signed Simmons' execution warrant. And on June 25th, 1990, he died by the method he had chosen, lethal injection in the Cummins unit. None of his surviving relatives would claim the body, and he was buried in a potter's field in Lincoln County, Arkansas. Who would want to even claim that? I don't blame them. So out of respect and regard to... Those that were killed by him, I am going to name them off. On December 22nd, 1987, he killed his son, Ronald Gene Simmons Jr., who was 26 years old, with a gunshot. He killed his wife, 46-year-old Bersabe Rebecca Simmons, by gunshot. He killed his three-year-old granddaughter, Barbara Simmons, by strangulation. His 17-year-old daughter, Loretta Simmons, by strangulation. And his 14-year-old son, Eddie Simmons, by strangulation. Along with that, his 11-year-old daughter, Marianne Simmons, and 8-year-old daughter, Rebecca Becky Simmons, were also killed by strangulation. On December 26, 1987, William Billy Simmons II, his son, 
at 22 years old, died of a gunshot. His daughter-in-law, 21-year-old Renita Simmons, died of a gunshot. His one-year-old grandson, William H. Trey Simmons III, died from drowning. His 24-year-old daughter, Sheila Simmons McNulty, died from a gunshot. His 33-year-old son-in-law, Dennis McNulty, also died from a gunshot. Seven-year-old daughter-slash-granddaughter, Sylvia Gale McNulty, died from strangulation. And his one-year-old grandson, Michael McNulty, died from strangulation. On December 28, 1987, 24-year-old acquaintance Kathleen Kathy Kendrick died from a gunshot. And a stranger, 33-year-old James David Jim Chafin, also died of a gunshot. It's odd to me his method of killing bounced around so much. Like normally, like, you know, I mean, we talk about it. We've listened to it on multiple different platforms and different things. Like normally spree killers, family annihilators, they stick with one method. Like there's strangulation, there's gunshots, like there's drowning. Like normally they stick with one. It's just odd that he bounced around so much with his method. Well, for the most part, it was just by gunshot or strangulation. The weaker ones he strangled, the stronger ones he shot. The older, stronger ones he shot, the weaker, younger ones, um, he choked to death. And the one-year-old, he threw in a tub and he drowned him. Held him underwater. His one-year-old grandson. I just, I can't, I can't. So that, that, my dear, ends this grave tale. Well, that's day eight, folks. Four to go. I was going to say you got four more coming. Four to go. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. Well, on that note, I guess I will see you uh, on my screen tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. Day nine of the Grave Christmas Murder Tales. Oh, and y'all, you can't, you don't see my script, but I I can see Donna's script. Day 12 is, it's a good one. You're going to like it. I mean, you're not going to like it because it's awful, but you're going to like it. Yeah. So it's going to, it's going to, it's, it's gonna, very interesting. It's going to tittle your, your, your eardrums, but you in all the tittle. wrong ways. I said tittle. You it's going to tittle, tittle the eardrums. <laughs> on that note, on today nine. I'm out. I'm out. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.